Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're always talking about Saints on WWL Radio today. Today, trying to switch it up a little bit, going around the NFC South. Starting things off, we're going to hit Tampa Bay, the defending NFC South champs. Tampa Bay reporter for Bucks Game Day and host of the Sick Podcast, Pirate Parlay. JC Allen joins us now. How you been, JC? I've been great. How, guys, how have you been doing over there? Now, uh, JC, how is like the Bucks fan base? Because uh, I can tell you right now what the Bucks accomplish. Uh, the Houdan Nation Saints fans, uh, I'd say, well, uh, th- that would be realistic. I think we maybe could do that next year. I don't know. You got to go out and do it, uh, considering how well they played against the Bucks at the end of the season. But I'm like, look, the Saints got to get back to the playoffs. If they would win the NFC South and host a playoff game and win it. I mean, uh, anything beyond that would be Lanyop a little extra. Uh, but, J.C., are, are the Bucks fans, are, are they kind of like look at the team trending in the right direction and somewhat pleased considering what they accomplished? Now, ultimately, you got to be Super Bowl champs. But but I was kind of impressed uh, what Tampa did last season. Yeah, I think, you know, you look around the league, you know, of course you guys are on the on the local scene, so national reporters never kind of know what, what the team beat is like. Um, so they had the Bucks finishing as a top five pick in the draft. Um, and, you know, these guys aren't immune to hearing stuff. They try to block out as much noise as they could. And they said, hey, just because we lost Tom Brady and a few other, you know, pieces, that doesn't mean we're one of the worst teams in football. And they use that as a chip on their shoulder and motivation. So, you know, I think a lot of fans, too, there were some fans who were like, oh, you know, this is going to be difficult. Didn't really believe in Baker. Didn't believe in Dave Canales as a first-time play caller. Uh, still didn't really believe in, in Todd Bowles as a head coach. And, you know, that started to – it was a roller coaster season for the Bucks. So, you know, starting off hot with that 3-1 and one record, going into the bye week and coming out and winning one of six and then finishing the season strong. So, you know, the fan base, there was a lot of emotions throughout the season where it was like, fire Todd Bowles, uh, fire, get rid of Baker. And now it's like, keep Baker at all costs. And, you know, some people still – have a little have their gripes about Todd Bowles, but you know, on the whole, the Bucks fans are really happy. I think um, winning that wild card game was was kind of where some of those naysayers and doubters amongst Bucks fans were kind of proved wrong and kind of had to eat their crow. Um, certainly, the national media had to. Um, you know, once they won the NFC South, even though it was it was not an inspiring fashion, but once they came out in Trump. The Eagles. There was there was the narrative that kind of had to be changed around the Bucks, and you know you see it now. Looking at kind of some of the, you know, early way to early power rankings for next year and quarterback rankings, the Bucks are you know in the middle of the pack instead of at the bottom of the road. But 
there's a lot to do in this offseason um, to, to remain in that competitive spot. And the Bucks have certainly have their hands full um, when it comes to their own free agents and trying to add to this roster. Well, JC, that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, from an outsider, uh, you look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think he's a warrior considering the adversity and the different teams he's been on, how he took advantage of the opportunity with the Bucks. And then, um, then when you look at it from a receiver perspective, uh, okay, um, and when you're talking about uh, the, the best of the best, I mean, okay, I'm having a brain fart. Mike Evans? Uh, Mike Evans uh, for A&M. Uh, yeah, Mike Evans. Uh, look, every year is a 1,000 yards. He's uh, To me, he's a pro football Hall of Famer. Are the Bucks going to take care of him, or he has to go elsewhere? So the Bucks have been doing this the last couple of seasons is where, you know, um, they want these guys back, but they're not going to bid against themselves. They're going to let these guys test the market. They've done the last three years with Carlton Davis, with Jamel Dean, Levante David. Um, and, you know, guys like Evans, guys like Baker, they want to be here. They want to finish out their career in Tampa Bay. But obviously we know this is a business. Um, and, you know, they need to make sure they're taking care of themselves as, as much as teams take care of them themselves. So, you know, they'll go out, test for agency. Um, likely, I think if, if either one gets a deal done prior to it, it might be Baker, um, you know, just because, you know, it's the most important position on the field and you want to make sure you have that locked up. But Mike and Baker have both been really, um, you know, honest and out there and saying, hey, we want to come back. Mike wants to be a buck for life. Baker finally found some organizational stability. You know, even though he lost his offensive coordinator in here, in comes Liam, Liam Cohen, who he worked with, you know, in that short stint in the Rams, another Sean McVay kind of coaching tree guy that runs a very, very similar offense to what Baker thrived in, going all the way back, you know, to Oklahoma um, with Kevin Stefanski that 2020 year when he really went off. Um, and then, of course, last year with Dave Canales and that small stint, you know, with the Rams who are walking, you know, hospital room with, you know, Cooper Cup and their offensive line going through 13 different starters. Um, so I, I think Baker realizes, you know, he's embraced in Tampa. Who doesn't want to live in sunny, warm Florida, right? No state, no state income tax. Right. He wants to be here, but he's not going to sell himself short either, you know. He's not going to take a huge discount, you know. If the Bucks are offering – you know, 25 and another team's offering 35, you know, he's got to think logically as well. So I don't think it's that far apart. I think, you know, you're looking at somewhere between 28 and $34 million a year for, for a Baker deal, something like that. So not, you know, kind of under market value, a um, little bit of a hometown discount with Mike. I think it could be anywhere from, you know, last week reports were Cooper cup money, which is like 27, 28 million. I don't think he gets that. Um, I think it's somewhere closer to 23 to $25 million. Um, unless the team like the Texans, where he grew up, you know, Texas, Houston, Galveston area, throws the bag at him, and you know he's he wants to finish out his career there. So there's a lot of moving parts with yeah. those two guys, and then you have Antoine Winfield Jr. likely to get the franchise tag. Christian Wirfs will likely reset the market at left tackle um, on his fifth year option and extension to open up some cap room as well. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts for the Bucks this season, and bringing those guys back is a key important step for them to continue to run the NFC South. Now, uh, the, JC, what about um, these parts like Devin White and uh, I look at Levante David? I can tell you right now, Levante David, Stood. I, I don't know if he ever got enough respect. I mean, he's about does. a decade plus. I'm like, okay, um, 
I mean, will anybody show him some love? Uh, because you talk about bringing it year in and year out. Levante David, to me, is a pro football Hall of Famer. Preach. Uh, okay, uh, okay. so you agree with me, J.C., about Levante yeah, I mean, not getting enough love. Come on. He, if you match up his stats with Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner, he outperforms both of those guys. Um, Luke Keekley was on that Carolina Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl, and Cam Newton had some playoff success. And obviously Bobby Wagner with the Seahawks and the Legion of Boom. So Tampa in those years, they were struggling to you know finish 500, let alone sniff a playoff game. So there wasn't a lot of national media attention on Levante, and it certainly increased a little bit when Brady was here. But you want to talk about consistency, even at his age, consistency yes. that he's been out there, playmaking ability. He's not the same coverage linebacker he used to be, but he makes up for in different ways. Finished with, I believe, the most tackles for loss at the, at the linebacker position this season. Um, and it's just still one of those guys where, you know, as you mentioned, you know, year in and year out, 100-plus tackles, and he's just doing doing the job and not getting enough recognition for it. Definitely think he's a, a football Hall of Famer. Devin White's a different case. Devin White, the enig- right. enigmatic linebacker from LSU, um, you know, on on his way out of the draft said, in five years I'm going to be making, you know, I want to make a $100 million contract. Well, he played himself right out of that um, and probably played himself out of Tampa Bay. He was benched late in the season, uh, too much freelancing, um, you know, in coverage, really still struggles. Um, he's not big enough to be an every-down edge. And the blitzing's there, but it wasn't as effective uh, this season. So with the trade requests and the cryptic posts all season, season long and, uh, you know, the controversy around the Green Bay game where, you know, he was cleared medically but said he couldn't go hours before the game. I think Devin White, even though Bowles loves him like a son, I think the Bucks probably move on from him. He finds a new home somewhere. Um, but it's not going to be with the Bucks. Levante, they want him back. It's up to Le- Levante if he wants to continue playing or not. He's not going to play anywhere else um, but Tampa, I, I think. Um, but if he wants to con- continue his career, there will be a contract waiting for him to sign. JC, obviously things could change if the Bucks don't re-sign some of their own guys. But looking at free agency and the NFL draft, what positions do you feel that the Bucks need to target? Yeah, I think edge is one of the biggest positions they need. Shaq Barrett's likely going to be a cap casualty due to his contract and lack of, you know, fall off of production. Still a very protective guy. One of the best edge rushers as far as setting the edge in the run game. Um, but they'll probably move on from him. So I think edge rusher is huge. Uh, interior line is going to be a big one as well. They need to get um, a guard, potentially an upgrade at center, um, but definitely a guard. You know, they could look in the free agent market. Brian Allen was just released by the by the Rams, and he has spent time with their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, uh, similar system. So that might be something that they look at, um, even though he's dealt with injuries. Uh, you need a safety, and I think you, what you really need is a, a, a cost-controlled safety, especially if they keep, um, you know, Carlton Davis, who could potentially be traded or cut due to his contract and help, you know, just missed a lot of games over the last couple of years. So um, you're going to give Antoine Winfield Jr. the bag. you got to have some cost control depth in the back end, as you guys know. So um, I think those are the three biggest positions. And then, obviously, if things don't work out, they're going to be in the market for quarterback and they're going to be market for wide receiver and could be for starting outside, uh, starting inside linebacker as well if Levante ties it up. So there's a lot of things pending free agency and the way things go there um, as far as the draft. But um, they've set themselves up in a pretty good cap position um, where they'll be able to bring these guys back, restructure some deals, open up some money. They're not going to be able to make a big splash, you know, try to lure a Brian Burns or Josh Allen in there, um, or even maybe in a Bryce 
Jets might be out of their price range. But, you know, getting a getting a, a top-tier outside linebacker might not happen this year. They definitely need depth that position, interior, and then, you know, safety. And then the rest of it's kind of, you know, who's coming back, who's not. Now, uh, J.C., um, I brought up Mike Evans earlier. Um, I mean, his consistency, uh, and I'll probably – I've bragged on Tampa Bay with this, uh, the best uh, – or in the conversation, uh, best duo receivers. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I mean, uh, so where is Chris Godwin at right now? Uh, I mean, uh, that is, uh, no matter who's playing quarterback, we talk about uh, guys can get it done. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and you know, and I brought up Mike Evans. What about Chris Godwin? Uh, well, what's his future with the Bucks? Yeah, so Chris Godwin played a lot more outside last year. Um, and he still still had his third consecutive season with a thousand yards. Touchdown production dropped off a bit. Only had uh, three touchdowns, two in the air, one in the ground this season. But Liam Cohen, one of the first things he said as offensive coordinator is he's going to put him back in, in the slot where he's had most of his the most success he's had in his career, um, akin to like a Cooper Cup role that he's going to have in this offense. So I expect you know big production out of him. It's his final season under under his deal. Um, so he'll play out, you know, likely to play out his final year of his deal. They'll probably restructure him to open up some money, add on some void years. Um, but I expect a big year out of him. Another guy who they drafted, former LSU product, went to Nebraska to finish out his college um, collegiate career, but Trey Palmer. Um, I think you saw him really take a big step last year towards the end of the season, um, and I think he's going to be a more featured point of this offense, being playing outside, using that speed. Um, you know, and we all know rookie season is so tough for these college kids learning a new playbook, new city, new coaches, teammates, you know, they hit that rookie wall because it's, you know, way more games than they're playing. So I think with a full off season under his belt, not training for the underwear Olympic combine and uh, really studying on the, on the playbook, studying, you know, um, the route and that comfortability of where he's going, what he's doing and, you know, being able to play fast and free. I expect a a big season out of him. I'm not saying a thousand yards, but somewhere around, you know, as a complimentary piece, 700 yards, a couple touchdowns, you know, he could be a big piece of this offense as well, especially if they bring back Mike and the focus is on him on the opposite side of the field. And they'll use Mike in the slot, too, in a different ways, too. So um, they'll move him around as well. Now, uh, you know, JC, before we let you run, uh, okay, what is, not the fans, what is your perception of Todd Bowles? Because I know Todd Bowles is a professional NFL coach. I know he knows defense. But do you view him as a truly a head coach? You understand what I'm saying, how the game changes and all that? The Todd Bowles knows uh, pro football. He knows defense. Uh, but uh, sometimes his manner is, I don't know, he's like uh, st- kind of straightforward, uh, not, yeah. I, I guess, flamboyant, if that's the right word. But, but what's no, your I take what on Todd saying. Bowles? Yeah. Yeah, so he is the ultimate player's coach, and you guys don't see it. And we, we see it sometimes behind the scenes a little bit. Um, and some of the pressers, you know, he'll crack jokes and stuff like that. And when we get him, you know, kind of in a, in a one-on-one setting, you know, and you hear all the players rave about him, um, how, you know, how he has, you know, great command of the team. Uh, even in that, when they were one and six in that losing streak, they didn't, the team didn't give up on him. You know, they were, they rallied around him. And um, I asked a couple guys, you know, uh, and some of the coaches, you know, did you ever feel like you were playing for your job or playing for your coach's job? And they all kind of said, no, you know, we have trust in him. We have trust in his ability to lead us. There are some mind-boggling moments, though, when, you know, when you're not using timeouts, you know, I, I guess, you know, that Detroit game was a huge part of it. Everyone kind of blew that, blew that up. 
you know, not taking that timeout, letting them run the clock when they snap the ball early, potentially getting the ball back with around, you know, 27 seconds or so. Um, I think that was a big thing. Um, but also, you know, down in distance, not going for it sometimes, electing for that big kick. Now, Chase McLaughlin, who they brought in as a free agent, was money on a lot of those, so it didn't really – you didn't bat an eye. But if you would have missed some of those 50-yarders and, you know, you're right. in, you know, fourth and three and, you know, some of those – some things like that, you're like, why aren't we going for it? The stats say, the analytics say, go for it. You know, it's you've got a better odds of going for it. You know, if not, you're, you're still backing these guys up at the 30. Do you trust your defense? And the defense was banged up, and there was a lot of – the thing about this season that I think was truly remarkable about uh, Todd Bowles is he had 15 rookies um, log snaps on defense, and a, and a majority of them were starters, too, on offense and defense. You had guys like Cody Mock. Um, was second round rookie starting, Kalaja Kansi starting as a rookie, Yaya Diaby, undrafted free agent Christian Izian starting. Other guys got propelled into starting roles due to injuries. So, you know, Trey Palmer, sixth round pick, Servasier Dennis, fifth round pick, uh, Kayvon Merriweather at safety, undrafted. So, you know, he, we, they knew they were going to be in a year where they had to eat a large portion of cap, almost $80 million in dead cap space. Um, and that they had to rely on a lot of young guys and the way he kind of developed them, the way they rode through the storm, um, you know, I think said a lot about him as a coach. Now there's still going to be those moments where like, what are you doing? Uh, but I think every fan base has that, right? So right. Um, I, I think he's a legitimate head coach. Um, but again, he's a defensive head coach, um, which always puts teams in a bind because we saw it this year with Dave Canales. If you get yourself a good offensive coordinator, you know, you're going to be replacing them every two to three years, one to two, in this case, one year. Um, and it kind of puts you as a head coach in a, in a particular situation. So um, where you're, you know, fighting to get back yeah. to where you were every year with the new, new, new pieces in place. Now, uh, JC, I lied to you. I got one more. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I look at the Bucks and I'm like, okay, uh, they like the Saints. Uh, in the NFC South, uh, but they've won a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, now, Carolina's been there twice, er, nothing. Atlanta's been there twice, er, nothing. The Saints have been there one time they won, but Tampa Bay has a couple of Super Bowl victories. How do they view, if you're a Bucks fan, a true Bucks fan, how do you view, like, Brad Johnson in those days winning a Super Bowl versus when Tom Brady came to town? Isn't that, it's like a Hollywood. I don't know, Tom Brady's coming to town, I'm going to win a Super right. Bowl. You know, I think um, two different really errors of the of, of the game, right? And right. in the 2002, you could still hit people. You could still knock people off their block. You could hit the quarterback. You could right. do a lot of different things. Um, so I think you know Brad Johnson looked at the you know he's kind of he's got a, kind of a cult following. People know what he is. He's no you know he's not a Hall of Fame. He's not even a Bucks Ring of you know I don't even think he's a Bucks Ring of Honor candidate at all, but he got the job done when the defense was so good and so strong. In 2020, it's completely different because obviously we were dealing in the midst of a pandemic with COVID, um, and Brady's the, the, the right. GOAT, and you see what, you know, you see what that team was able to do with the points they scored on Kansas City, and not just the points, but the points they limited them to. Um, you know, it's just fascinating. No team has been able to really kind of do that in that grandest stage is just kind of shut down Patrick Mahomes. And I know they're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line and, and issues like that. Everyone likes to bring that up. But 
um, you know, you still can't take that away from what they were able to accomplish. So I think it's just a two different things. Tom Brady is a goat. He was a goat before he came here. Brad Johnson did his job, you know, and, and he didn't lose the game for him um, and let the defense really kind of do what they were supposed to do with those, you know. I think they had a return touchdown, a defensive a touchdown in that Super Bowl. So, yeah. um, you know, both of them are special, the Bucks fans, in, in, in two different ways. Um, they won that and, second one at home, too. The second one first ever at home, correct, um, which was, you know, uh, amazing story. Now, obviously, the Rams did it the next year with a full, you know, full stadium. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, you look at both of those and you're, you you love them. And, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, at least, you love them and you respect them for what they were in both different ways. So, JC, definitely always appreciate the time. We'll be talking to you soon. I uh, hope you have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. And, Talk to you next time. All right, JC. As JC Allen, Tampa Bay reporter for Bucks Game Day. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.